Hello, this is uh, Jay Raj, your host for the uh, Michigan Ross Executive Perspectives podcast. Welcome to the eighth episode of the series. Uh, we have been in the middle of a supply chain crisis for the good part of the past two years, and that was triggered by the pandemic. And we had expected it to be over within a few months from when it started, but there is almost not a single industry that has not been impacted. It started with the semiconductor uh, chips uh, for autos, then expanded to include everything from construction materials, uh, commodities, food commodities, to diapers and baby formula. So this is a major disruption that has created a major economic challenge with double-digit inflations, and uh, it kind of led to a global quantitative tightening uh, of the money supply. So when we're looking at uh, the full impact of it, it, it's quite broad and it's quite difficult to assess. So the main question here uh, that we have is how companies can future-proof against supply chain disruptions? So to answer these questions, we have with us Anandurai Swami. He's the head of supply chain planning and contract manufacturing at Dabur International. And Damien Beale, he's the Donald Cook Professor of Technology and Operations at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business. Gentlemen, welcome. Before we go into the uh, questions and to set the right context, uh, I wanted to start just from both of you, a short statement on why is supply chain, what is supply chain resilience, and why would an efficient supply chain be important for the global economy and its stability? Anand? You know, my view in this topic would be that uh, the most important part of the entire business economy is related to consumers. And supply chain plays a very big role in servicing the consumers. Uh, you know, the global statement which everyone keeps in mind is that the consumer is a king. And, you know, uh, servicing the consumer is what uh, matters at the end of the day for any organization to succeed. And hence, supply chain becomes a very big topic and also a very important topic in, in terms of uh, satisfying customer requirements. Okay. So, uh, Damien, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think building on what Anand has said, the consumer demand is met with product and services by the functioning of our of our businesses. And uh, it's, I think it's easy to supply that consumer demand when, when that demand is nice and stable and your supply is nice and sort of predictable. Um, it becomes a lot more difficult to do that when we have unpredictable consumer demand, as we've seen in the last couple of years, and unpredictable supply. I think that becomes much more of a challenging issue as we look at uh, globalized supply chains, which makes it you know more apt to have issues arise in in supply and and also the fact that our consumers could be all over the globe means that when we have a problem locally, it can affect them thousands of miles away in a different part of the world. So it makes it pretty challenging and also really fascinating. Okay, so let me build on that, which is listen to the consumer demand. Uh, which has really fueled that kind of disruption. But these, when you look at that happening in terms of the beginning of the pandemic, when that demand started to surge, do you see a transition back to normal demand? And is, was that the only uh, factor that led to the persistence of that disruption over the last two years, Anand? So there are two points here. One, that what led to the disruption were mainly because of the global freight cost increase and also economy shutting down manufacturing units because of the pandemic. If you if you take into get into more detail on this from a freight perspective, uh, logistics perspective, uh, all the uh, there was a high inflation 
because of you know all the containers being stuck at different ports because there were no manpower available because the ports were closed due to pandemic that was one of the big reasons why the cost of every product went up the companies for them to sustain profitability the cost went up at the same time you know on on the demand side uh, the consumers started to started to buy products which are really of essential need especially the the companies or the economies which got impacted was the cpg companies the consumer product groups uh, mainly because of tiling products going down the consumption going down because people were not moving out of their houses so there was no tiling required everyone were based inside and only the essentials like the oral care category or the uh, hygiene category started started gaining out of this pandemic but the other categories like tiling shampoo hair care skin care went down because the consumption went down so what my view on this was the companies did was in order to cater to the uh, cater to the market where the consumption was a shorter period the companies went off to launch lups that is the low unit skus the smaller skus that would make a consumer to consume within a week's time because there were a lot of economies which went due to the, the in the economies there were a lot of job losses there were a lot of people their income going down led to led to people not buying products the so consumer behavior the buying the purchasing power went down drastically and hence companies took this call of launching smaller packs for consumers to buy on the shelf and hence lo- uh, spending lesser money from their pocket okay so what you're describing is something that uh, quite a few analysts were calling unprecedented because this is not an environment where demand changes drastically that much it went from basically a high purchasing power to low purchasing power then a lot of stimulus came into the economy which went took it back to high purchase power so all of these changes so my question to damien would be i mean with all this talk about unprecedented from your view is it really unprecedented have you seen something similar to it before is it any different from previous supply chain disruptions yeah i think it is different in the sense that it's global we've seen a lot of supply disruptions that happen in loca- locales like japanese earthquake or tsunami someplace that affects a lot of suppliers and a lot of demand in one specific area and one specific supply chain but to have it go around the world like like we saw with the pandemic that makes it unprecedented then if if we're trying to separate so if at the local level you have local disruptions at the global level this is the first time we see it so from your perspective uh, anand as a global company with regional economy with regional presence what can you do to protect yourself from factors that are really outside of your control in terms of uh, geopolitics inflation that are caused by the by this global disruption so one of the big factors that we also did as an organization and many of our uh, industry experts did was uh, building on inventories in the region now especially if you take a, a take into account middle east as a region the interest rates are very low in the range of 2 to 3% so in this case what companies can do is invest more on inventory than on keeping the money in, into the bank account especially when there is an opportunity to buy more buy and store more so that any supply disruption in the near future can be can be mitigated and hence there is no supply losses with the organization can incur that was one of the strategy that we did or um, a lot of companies did in the region especially in the middle east but in in countries where there is high interest rate the, the only option that we had was to go for a trading model 
where we appoint a trader and ask the trader to hold inventory for us, which obviously is at a cost. But that cost is much lesser as compared to the supply loss and the profitability loss that the company would incur in, in case of supply uh, not happening as per the demand uh, because of this disruption. The trader model, especially for the A-class ingredients, so that the manufacturing line doesn't stop, was the other strategy that I think uh, was an was, was a intelligent activity or an intelligent step uh, by many companies that uh, happened during the pandemic. Okay, so by building up basically manufacturing capacity and building up trade and and, and distribution capacity, uh, we've seen it happen with a lot of e-commerce uh, companies that have uh, scaled up their, uh, their their inventory capabilities significantly, and they went from just in time inventory to just in case inventory. We've seen this kind of move, but what kind of risk does it have when you take so on when you take these measures to protect yourself from these factors what kind of risk do you take on the company's operations or financials so uh, as i said you know we it's it's more of a risk analysis that we do along with with the uh, finance teams and i have a commercial view on all this because we as supply chain uh, managers and supply chain heads we always have supply as our key focus uh, where commercial guys would have, uh, you know, the commercial angle to the entire entire project or the entire activity. The the risk is in this case is if you if you in, invest in the money, invest the money in ingredients which are of B and C class of nature. When I say B and C class means they can be sourced in the last minute. Then we should not invest the money in that uh, in the in those categories. And also, in order to mitigate this kind of risk, what we do is in case of B and C, we try to largely localize those those manufacturing or those ingredients or those packaging materials which are required for manufacturing. So something called as, you know, we hear this terminology a lot of times now in the industry is globalization. So it's a mix of both global and local sourcing at an ingredient level, at a component level that we need to do as supply chain heads. Okay, so with this, then, uh, Damien, I have to follow up on Anand's comments about uh, being able to balance uh, the global and the local supplies. But with this supply chain disruption happening at a global scale, the way you described, what do you see the impact on a company's financial and its organization and its interaction with its partners uh, and the ecosystem? Because we're looking at a global economy. How would you see that? Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge that is at the root of all this is variability. And the variability that is caused by the disruptions, both on the supply side, as Anand's mentioned, but also on the demand side, as, as Jay, you've mentioned earlier, and that's going to have huge financial costs, right? I mean, Anand's describing a building of inventory, which is a method of buffering against that variability, uh, makes a lot of sense in a lot of cases. The, the next piece of it is going to be, well, how can we best utilize our buffers for example, variability or manufacturing capacity in the most effective way. And there's kind of two ways you can think about that. One is, can we find ways to reduce the need to buffer in the first place? So that is that is like reducing the variation. That's when you when you think about, hey, what if I had local suppliers that are less prone to having disruptions, right? That might that may change you to rethink some of your sourcing strategies, for example. Another thing you might do is think about flexibility in your suppliers. Maybe I'm going to have a couple of different suppliers identified so that if one has an issue across the world, maybe there's another one still across the world, but maybe they, they're they still able to supply me what I need. So it could mean that you're kind of shuffling some existing relationships around depending on who um, is able to supply to you. And I guess the third is it could actually deepen some relationships. If you don't have the ability to shuffle around, 
if you realize that it's too expensive to do that or it's not practical, then you might actually try to work with a partner and try to remove some possibilities for variability or at least get visibility into what variability you face with that partner. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Okay. So variability then being the main culprit here in terms of the ability of the company to to maintain a consistent, sustainable financial operation. So, and then how that varies from, we see that, I mean, it, it actually varies from one industry to another and one uh, sector to another and one region to another. So given your knowledge of the regional economy in, in the GCC, what is the impact of that variability, as uh, Damien had put it? So the variability was huge, especially during the pandemic. The strategy of, you know, the inventory strategies that we used to follow pre-pandemic went completely invalid during the pandemic time. And uh, post-pandemic, it is even more invalid because uh, the world is changing almost every day. So the inventory strategies have to be very flexible. The modeling has to be more effective. And hence, that's uh, data analyst position. So the, the key, one of the key factors that play a big role is the team. So people, uh, we have... We have many data analysts in, in the team now who keep analyzing a lot of data because what happens is the number of, you know, the number of SKO lines or the data is huge and humongous. All this obviously by one uh, human being or by a couple of human beings is never possible. So we, uh, what we do is we implement a lot of IT tools to analyze data and build scenarios and basis different situations in every country that we service take decisions. So uh, it's completely regional. So the the overall world, which was moving towards global single team, one team, one supply chain may not work any longer. It's more of ensuring that every region behaves in its own. So hence the supply strategy or the inventory strategy has to be servicing for a particular region. Okay. So I think what then it's becoming like a brain with different cells connected together. So each region is now connected. And, and, and what we're saying is that this is where AI and other machine learning IT tools are becoming very important in synchronizing all these connections between the different supply chain cells, as, as you mentioned it. Absolutely. So uh, Anand, I know you're going to have to leave in a couple of minutes, but I just want to ask you one question before you go as you mentioned demand being aggressive in nature when when the pandemic started as we transition back to a normal demand level how should the companies now balance the idea of future proofing the way you presented it with profitability with customer satisfaction with sustainability so now you have all these different new initiatives that the company needs to undertake so sustainability has has uh, is something we addressed uh, uh, in the last couple of months in one of the podcasts and it's becoming an initiative that's integrated within operations now future proofing for uh, supply chain resilience is another initiative how do you as a company would balance between all these different initiatives from the traditional model of running business uh- so I think in this case, uh, you know, in the future, the only way forward I feel is, you know, the different modeling exercises that the company needs to do, uh, be more agile, be more flexible to the different needs of every region. One of the main factors which impact, you know, the business is the currency status. Currency of any organ- any countries uh, are either in an inflationary mode or in a depreciating mode. That also uh, makes the company to take a lot of decisions in in and around that currency situation. So it's a balance of both currency models, inventory strategy, 
and also the marketing units of packs which we need to work on in order to achieve what we want to uh, as an organization okay great uh, thank you anand so damian actually as we continue the conversation uh, i think this is a combination of uh, something that's happening in the field that has a lot of research uh, being done on over the past couple of years so from your view what are the tools that you teach your executive mba students these days in terms of how to manage the the new situation the new supply chain disruption the new pandemic the new post pandemic era well first and foremost frameworks and ways that we can sort of sort of take a step back and think holistically about what's happening and and make sense of it before we start trying to apply specific tools or methods that may be emerging and may or may not be effective given our needs or may not even be appropriate so kind of going back to some of the things we had talked about earlier in the conversation uh variability is really at the heart of this this is what makes business challenging if it weren't for the the variation in demand and variation in supply it would be pretty easy to to produce our products and services actually but um we know that that's not the world that we live in when i think about the pandemic as we were you know discussing the global nature it just sort of changes where this variation is coming from and and the levels of impacts that we're seeing but but fundamentally the tools that we have to combat the variation are kind of very similar to what we've always had you know as we encountered these types of challenges so that i think the magnitude and the nature of the problem has changed but the tools largely or at least at a high level the tools and approaches are pretty consistent with what we've seen before and there's always kind of new developments on making those tools maybe better or more um, effective like jay you kind of mentioned ai and like data analytics and stuff like that that's a emerging type of uh, of a tool which gets us better visibility into variability right can we can we predict things more readily than we could in the past and if you're at a, in a business like anons which is consumer products where you have tons of data going back a long time and there's a lot of stability yeah those tools can be really powerful if on the other hand you have kind of a newer set of products and you don't have as much historical data those tools are not going to be that useful for you yeah that's true that's true so from uh, a mass market commodity these tools are making an impact in terms of understanding and actually downplaying some of these bursts in disruptions so you get a more normalized approach towards supply chain but for areas that are not that don't have this depth of data then we have to go with the traditional tools that we have yeah so let me ask you a last question then in this case with variability being at the heart of it as consumer demand starts to fade down and as a lot of discussion going into the global uh, central banks wanting to tame down uh, the consumer demand to reduce inflation so how would variability be affected and is it still can you still the same tools uh, to manage it in the opposite side so that tamping down of demand will will certainly manifest itself as as a change in the demand that we see right it's going to lower the demand then the tools that you need to deal with that are it, it is going to be kind of a similar playbook to maybe what we've seen before right we know that for example we could react to that reduction in demand by reducing some of our buffering right capacity buffering being one mm -hmm. way that we could we could meet changing demand if we look at the airlines when people were not flying during the pandemic what did they do they they laid off a bunch of their employees and that made sense at the time on some level right because you're otherwise incurring a whole bunch of costs at a time when not many people are flying and then when that demand kind of switched back on they were caught flat-footed because they did not have the capacity to to meet all of that demand 
So it's always expensive to, to have these buffers in place, be it capacity of workers, be it capacity of production uh, in terms of machinery, or maybe be it inventory. So I think as we as businesses react to the changing demand patterns, you know, there's going to be this call that has to be made of, do we slash our capacities? Do we slash our inventories anticipating that the demand is going to stay down or, or do we try to maintain that thinking that maybe some of this demand will come back in the future? Now, if pandemic and the, and the stimulus types of policies have caused unprecedented demand, you could probably safely say, yeah, we're going to scale back. But I would say, you know, it can be, it can be easy to kind of go too far. Yeah. in doing that. Great. So I think at the end, if I wanted to sum it up, then it's really about towards managing variability because variability is going to be at the heart of whether it's a supply chain disruption because of increased demand or because of oversupply because of decreased demand. So either way, companies have to future-proof by looking at the tools you had described to manage that variability. So yeah. uh, Damien, I really appreciate uh, you being here. I appreciate your insights. I also thank Anand for his time. Uh, Until uh, next time, uh, that's a wrap.